Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. So good to have you with us. Today's the first Sunday of the month. That means it's our Communion Sunday. In just a few minutes, we're going to gather around the communion table and receive the bread and the cup. And our communion time is always a very special time as we invite God's presence here and ask him to reveal something brand new to us about the communion service. In addition to being the first Sunday of the month, it's also the first Sunday in December. And in the church world, December always signals the final countdown to Christmas. And just so you know, after today, you only have 20 more shop, 21 more shopping days to the big event. And I'm wondering how many of you highly motivated and above average people have already completed your Christmas shopping? Wow, quite a few of you. Now you can just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of the time. On the other hand, how many of you have yet to get started? Uh, quite a few. I would say it's time to put that list together and get out there. All right, over the years I've heard many terms and expressions used to illustrate Christmas. There's magical, meaningful, merry and bright. There's colorful, cheerful, joyful, and wonderful. In fact, for many, many people, it's the most wonderful time of the year. However, if you were to ask me to select just one word that accurately describes the season and storyline of Christmas, that one word would have to be sharp crowd. <laughs> Miraculous. I mean, just think about it. From start to finish, all of our favorite components of the Christmas narrative, everything that we read about that's spelled out uh, on the pages of Scripture, it represents one continuous miracle flow. The angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary. Gabriel's subsequent visitation to Joseph in a dream. The conception, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. The heavenly host singing glory to God in the highest. And the magi following the star. Miracle, 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 miracle. Again, one continuous spectacle and display of the miracle working power of God. And so for the next five weeks, all through the month of December, we are going to highlight this beautiful and powerful miracle story we call Christmas. And this morning, as we introduce the miraculous series, I want to begin by saying, the same God. The same God who orchestrated all of these wonderful events, all of these supernatural events, He's still in the miracle-working business today. He's still the same. Nothing has changed. I know in our minds, things are different. And sometimes we think, how could God do something today like he did back then? 
But Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 and many other verses just like it tells us he is the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that word same in the Greek means unchangeable, immutable, consistent, constant, and lasting. One more time. Unchangeable, immutable, consistent, constant, and lasting. And in a world that's moving at a tremendous rate of speed, a world that seems to be new and different every time we wake up in the morning, it is so difficult and even incomprehensible to grasp the concept of a God who changes not. A God who's the same. But that's our God. Jehovah God. From everlasting to everlasting, he is the same. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the same God. In fact, in the book of Malachi, he says, I am the Lord, I do not change. He went out on the limb and told us he's the same. And it was just about 700 years before the birth of Christ, so 700 years before that very first Christmas, God spoke through one of his greatest prophets, a man by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah woke up in the morning one day, he came under a powerful anointing, a prophetic anointing, and he spoke forth the word of the Lord. And here's what he said, here's what Isaiah said, recorded in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 1. Comfort, say that. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity and her sin is pardoned. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places plain or smooth and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Again, Isaiah proclaimed this message of comfort and peace and salvation during a time of great trouble and turmoil. And 700 years later, can you imagine 700? It was a long time after God has spoken this word. 700 years later, the word of the Lord came to pass. And God anointed another prophet, this time a New Testament prophet by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the fulfillment of the prophetic word that Isaiah had spoken about some 700 years earlier. And so for just a few moments this morning, please allow me to introduce John's story to you. It's found in Luke chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The scripture tells us in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He... John the Baptist went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the words that we just reviewed. Here it is. The voice of one calling in the desert, prepare, do what now? 
prepare the way for the Lord. This is precisely what Isaiah said John the Baptist was going to do. He was going to prepare God's people for the coming Messiah. He was going to lay the foundation, make us ready to celebrate the ministry of Jesus. And what a prophet this John was. In fact, later on, during his own ministry, Jesus would say, talking about John, of all of the prophets ever born, of all the prophets who ever lived, there were none any greater than John the Baptist. When I think about that, I, I, I review some of the prophets in the Bible, in the Old Testament. There was Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah the prophet and Isaiah. Uh, is it true that John the Baptist was in that same category, in that same league? You better believe he was. Truth is, we can't celebrate Jesus without John. I'm going to say that again. We can't celebrate, we can't get ready for Jesus without John. By God's design, John makes us ready for Jesus. His whole life, the whole time he was on the earth, he pointed to Jesus and he said, follow him. Don't follow me, don't listen to me, follow him. Wherever you are, whatever you're involved in, whatever it is that you're doing, Turn around and follow him. Be a disciple of his and get your heart right with Jesus. And it was the ministry of John the Baptist that brought on a revival. And friends, nothing has changed today. The message of John the Baptist, his message of repentance is still in play. It's, what, it's repentance that brings us to the Lord. Repentance introduces us to the heart of God. But you know, a short time after Jesus began his earthly ministry, the scripture tells us that John the Baptist was thrown into prison. But he wasn't imprisoned, he wasn't locked up because he was involved in some kind of secret, criminal, or illegal activity. No, John was put in prison for telling Herod he was a sinner. He had the guts to tell Herod, what you're doing isn't right, so you better change your ways. And so Herod put him in chains. Herod locked him up. And from that prison cell, this important, godly, invested prophet, significant prophet that God had raised up to prepare for the coming Messiah, the same prophet that Jesus said was as great as anyone else, in that prison cell, he became discouraged. He wondered how in the world would God allow him to be put in a jail cell for speaking the truth and then keep him there without even making an effort to try and bail him out. And there in prison, because he was going through this discouragement and this depression, John the Baptist, again, this incredible prophet of God, he sent a few of his loyal disciples to Jesus to ask him a question. 
There were some things that John needed to know. He had to have the answers. And the question that John's disciples asked Jesus, are, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 2. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things Jesus was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Remember, it was John the Baptist who identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When Jesus came to his baptism, John cried out and said, there's the guy I've been telling you about. He's the one who's mightier than me. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. That's the one you should be listening to. John said that with a lot of conviction. But now in the prison cell, he's discouraged. And he's filled with some doubts. And he's fighting off these questions of uncertainty. And he wants to know, Jesus, are you really the one? Did I get this right? Did I identify you correctly? I want you to see Jesus' response in verse 4. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 4. Here's what Jesus said. You go back to John and you tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And don't look now, but Jesus' response to John the Baptist's question was an answer to prophecy that had been predicted at the same time that Isaiah was talking about the coming of John the Baptist. It was a fulfilled prophecy. It's found in Isaiah chapter 35. Listen to what it says. The same prophet who predicted that John would become a voice to prepare us also said this, and when he, Messiah, comes, listen, he will open the eyes of the blind. 700 years before it happened, he'll open the eyes of the blind, he'll unplug the ears of the deaf, the lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy, springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. Amen. This is precisely what was happening. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And Jesus said to John's disciples, you go back and you tell John, yes, I am the Messiah, and this is the day of miracles. And from that day to this day, nothing has changed. God is still in the same business. He has the power, he has the ability and the desire to save, to heal, to deliver, and set free. That's our God. He's a healing God. He's a loving God. He's a consistent God. He doesn't change. Not like we do. You know, we always have a different idea, a different opinion. We have questions. We have doubts. We get discouraged, just like John the Baptist. But Jesus said, you go back and you convince John, I am the Messiah. I am the one. And I've come to validate his ministry. Now, there's an important part of the Christmas story that doesn't get much press. It's almost like watching the credits at the end of a movie. And I know years ago, uh, the credits were in the beginning. If you're watching a movie, you're forced to sit there and, and watch the credits. But these days, not too many people wait around after the screen goes dark 
to find out who was in charge of costume design, who the assistant director was, or who fashioned hair and makeup. Clean, I'm sorry. And yes, I know a lot of effort goes into making a movie. And oftentimes it's the behind the scenes people who are the real heroes. But again, usually there's not a whole lot of appreciation for the support staff. And such is the case for a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon is a Christmas story afterthought. You're not going to see his name in the bright lights. You're probably never going to see a picture of Simeon on a Christmas card. And he's nowhere to be found in the nativity scene. And yet, it was confirmed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that the baby that Mary and Joseph brought into the temple on that day was in fact the Messiah. And Luke is the only one of the four gospel writers to tell the story. In fact, Luke is the only one to even mention Simeon's name. Look at it, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him, the Holy Spirit told Simeon, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That was his promise. That was his word. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Whose word? God's word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. All right, 40 days after Jesus was born, in accordance with the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus into the temple to present him before the Lord. And when they did that, they encountered an old man. His name was Simeon. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how old he is, but we just get from the scripture that he was old. He was an elderly man. And we, we know that because as soon as Simeon laid his eyes on Jesus, he said, now let your servant depart or die in peace. I mean, no, a young man wouldn't say that. A young Jewish man uh, with the kind of moral excellence that the Bible ascribes to Simeon would have wanted to stick around a little bit and see Jesus in action. Hey, if this is the Messiah, I want to see what he's all about. But Simeon, he was ready to go. As soon as he identified Jesus as the Messiah, he was ready to meet his maker. He's ready to check out. Tells me he was old. Question for you. What was Simeon doing when Mary and Joseph walked Jesus into the temple that day. Look again at verse 25. We just read it. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
He was just, he was devout, he was a good man. And what was he doing? He was waiting. He was waiting. Uh, the scripture says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's another way of saying he was waiting for the Messiah. The consolation and comforter are the same words in the Greek. Remember Jesus, when he left the earth, he said to his disciples, I'm going to send you another comforter. Jesus was the first comforter. He was the Messiah. Simeon had been waiting day and night in the temple to identify that Messiah. And I'm sure it was a little awkward at times, maybe even a little creepy. Every time a new family would come in with a baby, this old man Simeon would mosey on over there and take a look. I know how some of you parents are, especially young moms. Get out of here. This had been going on for years and years. Simeon was standing on the promise of God that he would not die until he saw the Messiah in the flesh. That was his word. That was the promise that God had given to him. Now, how many of you have ever heard of a century plant? A century plant. It's also referred to as the agave americana. I have a picture of it for you to look at. As you might expect by its name, century, the century plant can live a long time and it can grow to be very old just like Simeon. And this particular plant is mainly found in Mexico and in the southwest desert of the United States. It thrives in rocky, dry, and mountainous environments. And so the century plant, it produces very large and thick leaves that grow to be about a foot wide and they can hold a lot of moisture and actually store liquid in the leaves. That's the only way that the plant can survive. But the most interesting and amazing characteristic of the century plant is its long and lengthy development cycle. A century plant can remain in this exact shape, same size, same height, same color for 25 to 30 years just sitting there in the desert like a bump on the log doing nothing. But then after 30 years, for no apparent reason, all of a sudden, nobody knows why, it will grow a little bud. And that bud will turn into a strong and healthy branch. The branch will grow at a rate of seven inches a day and continue to grow until it reaches a height of 30 to 40 feet. 30 to 40 feet. After years and years of nothing, no movement, no growth, no apparent progress, the century plant will reveal a beautiful crown of yellow blossoms just like this. From three feet to 30 feet in a matter of weeks, after staying the same size for 30 years. It's amazing. Simeon, the scripture tells us, was a faithful servant of God. He spent the better part of his life in the temple of God, waiting for the promise that God had given to him to be revealed. 
it took a long, long time for him to see the beauty of God's plan unfold in his life. And after years and years of waiting, years of trusting, years of working through discouragement and depression, years of asking questions, years of wanting to know, Lord, how long? Finally, one day, he was able to hold and receive his promise in his own arms. You know, as we bring this message to a close and begin to prepare our hearts for the communion service, I'm wondering how many of you, when you think about it, might feel a little like Simeon. Maybe not quite as old, but you've been waiting. You've been standing on the word of God for a long time, hoping and praying, seeking God for your breakthrough, waiting for the promise of God in your life, asking questions but not giving in to the lies of the enemy, not forsaking the faith, not abandoning what God has spoken to you, but you have been sitting there or standing there waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, I want to speak prophetically into your life and say, I think you've been waiting long enough. And I believe that today in this month is going to be your season of visitation. That our great God, the same God who did everything he did 2,000 years ago, is about to move in your life today. I believe that with all my heart. Simeon waited. Simeon was faithful. Simeon trusted God. And God delivered for him. And so here's what I'd like to do this morning. And this really is a continuation of what Pastor Tyler started last week. I'm going to lead you in just a few minutes through the communion service. And then following communion, we're going to have a special song. The worship team is going to sing a closing song. And during that closing song, after we receive the, the emblems, if you have a need of any kind, and this could be anything, friend, could be physical, could be emotional, maybe someone's hurt you and you need healing in your heart, it could be social, relational, financial, whatever need you might have, anything that you've been asking God to do in your life or someone else's life for a long time now. If you have that need and you would like someone to agree with you in prayer for your miracle and for your need to be met, I'm just going to ask you during that closing song to step out of your seat, make your way here to the front of the stage. We're going to have some altar ministers stretched out along the front. And this is not going to be a long time here at the altar. This is going to be a quick, concise prayer of agreement. You can come up, tell the altar worker your prayer need. They're going to agree with you in prayer. Pray for your miracle. Pray for God and, and, and to touch you and for your breakthrough. And then you can make your way back to your seat so someone else can be prayed for. And we're just believing that God is going to do something powerful in our service today. 
We've been praying about it ever since we put this, this sermon series together. We've in, invited all the elders, the pastors, the, the, the altar ministers to agree with us in prayer. We're believing for miracles because we, see, we serve a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. The scripture says it was on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper it ended, Jesus took the cup. Again, he gave thanks. He gave the cup to his disciples. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often, every single time you receive this bread in the cup, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus' death did it all. His death on the cross paid the price for our redemption and for our salvation. And one of the greatest miracles that we could ever receive at the hand of God is salvation. To know him as our Savior and Lord. And if that hasn't happened for you, if you've yet to make a full commitment, you can get that miracle today. Just step out of your seat, come and talk to one of the altar ministers. They'll agree with you in prayer for your salvation. But then the finished work of Jesus did a lot more than that, if that wasn't enough. He carried our sorrows, our sickness, our grief, our pain, our betrayals, our hurts. And because of his finished work on the cross, we can be made whole. We can receive our healing. So let's believe for it this morning as we take the bread and the cup together. Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us. Lord, you spoke hundreds of years before it happened. You promised that a Savior would come to comfort our hearts. You said you would deal with our sin, you would deal with our hurts, our iniquities, and you would bring a peace that passes all understanding that we would know salvation, we would know healing and wholeness. And then you went on, Lord, to put together a string of miracles that no one could have ever fathomed or understood. You go beyond what we can imagine or even think. And Lord, your word plainly says you have not changed. Sometimes we get doubtful, like John the Baptist did. Sometimes we get discouraged, like Simeon. Sometimes we wait, and we wait, and we wait. But Lord, as we sang earlier, you're always at work. You're always doing something. It may take a while, it may take 25 or 30 years, nothing happening, and all of a sudden, Lord, there's a branch that grows. There's a bud that produces a flower. That's what we're calling for today, Lord. Prophetically, we see it happening in the lives of many people. A change come, Lord the winds of change blowing by the power of your spirit. Just believe, Lord, that you will do these things for us today. We fight off our disbelief and we stand by faith.